Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Raj Naik's talk show Fridays Live features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Good evening and welcome to Fridays Live with me, Raj Naik. I have with me a journalist who has actually practiced journalism of courage. Known for her investigative journalism, she is someone who has dared to go where angels fear to tread. Recipient of many prestigious international and Indian awards for political journalism, a woman who is a crusader for justice, social equity, and human rights. My guest this evening is my dear friend Shoma Chaudhary. Shoma, welcome to Friday's Live. Thank you very much, Raj, and thank you for that generous introduction. So, Shoma, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. This show is all about bringing people from different walks of life. and understanding their journey and you had a very illustrious journey in your life very colorful one i would say and you you seen the peak and the bottoms you you've done both so let me ask you i mean uh, since you seen journalism from such close quarters right and now you have your own uh, youtube channel inquiry with shoma chaudhary what's the changes that have you seen in journalism over the last few years but that's a big question raj uh I definitely think that journalism in India is going through a very very difficult time and that's not because there aren't good people in the system but I think structurally you know all of Indian media is going through a very difficult time and it's part of the global sort of move but definitely in India there's a greater sense of strain and if you speak to people you know it's not just as an observer or or a consumer of news but those who are within the profession uh you know will share that great sense of disquiet largely because i think people are not able to do the kind of work that we all came into journalism to do you know which is really honest objective evidence based um keeping you know holding truth uh, power to truth asking questions and you of course play uh, you're meant to play both roles which is you endorse things that are good for the public good but you're also meant to be a watchdog on power and i think today it's become almost close to impossible to be a watchdog on power because structurally also it's so problematic you know there is the dominance politically but also because most of media does not pay for itself it's sponsor driven so the whole business model is so difficult it proves and uh, then of course now it's got polarized with the with social media you know there's a great pressure to constantly escalate the uh, the pitch at which people speak the whole trp thing so particularly in television journalism i think there's a, you know i don't think we are living out the core tenets of what journalism should be as a journalist what do you feel about it how do you feel about it i feel sad you know raj uh, i'll tell you you asked like what was it like 10 years back or you know when say i started out or when uh, you know one had the privilege to be running as a managing editor I was running telka that there was you know when young people asked you about journalism with looking them in the eye one could uh, you know say that this was a profession that's a calling you know that you can really do good you can impact society um there was there was a sense of space you know of course structurally there was all the same constraints but i think it wasn't as complicated a time as it is now because social media in addition to everything else i mentioned the financial structure and the political structure social media has made it so difficult to like to really live by your own value system you know so today what i feel is i feel sad because when young people ask me should we join journalism i'm almost scared to sell them the idea of idealism because i know when they join organizations very quickly to survive they will have to set the idealism aside you know and like i said it's not because there aren't good people in the system but i don't think the fraternity is now standing together uh, as a solid you know on on principle watching like we don't have each other's back you know it's so polarized it's so ugly everyone's waiting to pull everyone else down uh, i think internally there's a lot of uh, disillusion uh, that the profession has to live with you know i'll tell you i mean i spoke to some 
top notch uh, you know last year there was a lot of ugliness in the media there were media wars that were happening and i spoke to a lot of proprietors and anchors really top notch guys and many of them personally said they can't look themselves in the mirror they are unhappy with what they're doing but they don't want to vacate the space and they have a sense that they are being pressured to do things either because they need to earn a living or because they're external pressures and so what i'm going to say is that there is that sense of disquiet you know i think time has come for the profession to really stand together for some principles which uh, i'm not sure we're doing that's not to say pockets of good work aren't happening raj but you know I, i'm not saying it's some blanket criticism but i'm talking emotionally about how people are feeling about that profession yeah and uh, uh, no what you say is so true and there have been journalists who have vacated the space and uh, tried to create their own niche in their own way whether it is you know creating their own social media youtube channel like yours and things like that uh yeah how difficult is it i mean now that you 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 also have your own youtube channel how easy or difficult it is to uh, chart your own independent uh, journalism i mean to do it without having the infrastructure and the support of an large organization it's very difficult raj i won't even call what i'm doing right now uh, journalism in the traditional sense i run this show called inquiry with shoma choudhury which uh, you know i interview a range of people i try to do it in depth i try to do it with a certain integrity of purpose but uh, you know it's not journalism in the sense where i can put feet on ground where i can uncover anything uh, you know where i can really as i said hold a power to truth you know you can't speak what one really wants to in terms of see i it's not just about opinion making you know if you have an opinion it should be evidence backed and to have evidence you need to put reporters on ground uh you need to operate in a zone where you know you know social structures whether it's legal civil society politically that there are spaces in which to do that kind of work sponsors advertisers you know there's a society that's willing to receive uh, evidence based uh you know sort of analysis of where societies are so as as someone who's been a journalist in the i would say in the past i would say what i'm doing now is discourse creation you know perspective creation and i do that through very accomplished people so i feel satisfied that i'm creating a space where people can speak truthfully it's not polarized it's not angry so to that extent i'm happy with what i'm doing but it's it's not able to fill that role which journalism should fill in a society you know which is really uncovering information uncovering that which others want to hide um and i would i, I would reiterate that evidence based perspective today you know raj we're looking at such a crisis that people don't have a uh, presumed credibility for any channel or any paper you know there's a sense that there's some game going on uh, because it's so opinionated it's just about opinion it's not backed necessarily with hard facts and again i'll reiterate there are places which are doing that there are small pockets there you know but i know that all of them must be struggling very hard financially to make sense of uh, you know how to create sustain- financial sustainability to what they are doing yeah i mean there are a lot of lot of youtube channels that are there and uh, people are doing great work there uh, not just interviewing people but like you said on the on the ground uh, on the field uh reporting and things like that like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store you are co-founder of telka and when you when you uh, founded telka I, you know i remember the, those days uh, you know uh, where you had set it with a certain objective in mind and you had done a lot of crowdfunding to in the initial stages where you had uh, people uh as a uh, founder subscribers or founder patrons and things like that i was one right. of the people who contributed those days i remember thank you okay. yes so, i remember that yeah yeah so i just want to know can that not be replicated today or actually it's a ideas much more you know today, i think it's more difficult because the rules have become more difficult raj uh, but i but you know actually it's an ideal time to crowd fund uh public interest journalism and again there are digital mediums who are trying to do that i think wire and several others you know i see 
requests out there i think they do have a lot of public subscription backed models but like i said you know and people are doing good work but do we have the skill do they have the skill to really do the amount of work they would want to do i'm not sure you know and i think it is financially difficult to sustain that but today the reason why the media is also becoming difficult uh, for people to fund is because the rules are becoming harder and harder you know the space is narrower uh, in recent months the government has passed quite a few rules uh, you know which cuts fcra so that cuts off foreign funding to a large extent they've changed the oci rules so people of indian origin outside uh, also can't really directly uh, you know invest in media then many platforms grants you know they're just a lot of sort of financial taps are being tightened you know and i think there needs to be a lot of discussion about this that what are the concerns which are making uh, governments turn off the taps you know and this government is actually following on the footsteps of the previous government when fcra rules became so strict so there is a sense that money is now only available to those who are aligned with establishment and uh, that is a difficult proposition for any democracy you know you need free media to i always think i've always said this to corporates as well uh, and i say to whatever political years that one can speak to that it may be uncomfortable in the short term but ultimately for good leadership you need good data points you know and if you don't allow journalists to get you news from the ground to really understand what's going on and give you good data points you get locked into an echo chamber of people with vested interests you know who will keep reassuring you that something is fine or you know there's only that much of management that one will do before society expresses itself in different ways you know so i think right now in many ways both corporates and political power cutting off data points for themselves by not allowing journalism to really flourish the way it should and and i think us also need to do a lot of introspection there is so much of polarization and playing to trps and just it's so emotional raj there's just like journalism has become about emotion and screaming rather than uh just evidence based perspective you know people often use this argument that it's trps trps and things like that but if you actually look at the overall audience size of uh, say english news channels it's less than 1% 0.1% yeah with such a small audience trps really do, don't really matter you know but it's a great excuse for people to say that it's trps and things like that of course trps do a, play a certain role but beyond that uh, i think if you have good journalism people will pay for quality yeah i think i mean across the world now there is some sense that uh, you know many of the legacy newspapers are uh closing their digital uh you know doors unless you pay and they and you know i pay for a lot of news that i consume and i'm sure a lot of people will be doing that but in india you know everything is a double edged sword raj because there also is a large constituencies of people who are not able to pay very much uh but i think even if we started micro payment i mean somewhere the structure of news uh has to change you know i mean if we are only i used to always say this that we are willing to pay 300 400 rupees for a cup of coffee but you're not willing to pay that for intellectual content and then naturally very very good professionals in the system are not able to do what they would do if they were freed up to do it you know i mean i would still say indian journalism has some of the most amazing professionals people with real knowledge on ground they have experience they have a desire they have idealism but is there the structure for them to operate not in the mainstream you know yes maybe in pockets people are trying to do good work but then how large is your voice are you impacting uh, you know the sources of power you're not so yes you're keeping your integrity alive but are you being able to shape discourse the way you could if large structures can also function in a very professional way I mean this last year we've had so many examples raj like just so many of really bad faith behavior on the part of the media you know i mean the shashank singh rajput episode stands out very starkly but it's a yeah. symptom of the way 
media conducts itself nowadays very often so where is the accountability i mean there's no accountability is it people can just come do something scream shout make sure that people's lives are destroyed and then just get away with it yeah is there some mechanism of accountability when so i think you asked a really important question raj because i for one you know i'm i'm not part of the mainstream media right now but i like i would resist government control to the end of the last mile you know i don't think media should ever be under government control or regulation but i think there's a great great need for the media itself to introspect and to definitely live you know to create some very strong ground rules i know we have the press council and you have the nbc and you know all of that but it's not strong enough because i think what the media has the power to do is to really impact and destroy or make lives and when you get it wrong you know you put in a small courage and then people's lives are burnt by it but you move on you know and then we uh which you know i mean people have to have some recourse against the misuse of media as well and if we don't want defamation suits and we don't want government control there should be a mechanism that the media itself has created in good faith which is that if you get a story wrong you as the platform that got it wrong would carry that very very prominently for a certain percentage of time you know almost equal prominence to which you ran the story which which destroyed others um you know you put out apologies i think there should also be because very often there's a echo effect that if you got a story wrong you know other channels should also carry it for a while that you know we such and such story was wrong because otherwise there's just a debris left behind by the media you know and like i'm saying this was just the most recent example of many ways in which media gets some very high profile stories wrong and uh, there's no recourse so one is that the other i would say is the quality of news i would love it if in today's world where there's great pressure to put out news like so fast before you've processed it before you've cross checked it i think if i had the opportunity to run a platform right now i would read our own news you know if there is a pressure to put it out before then one should have a kind of grading system for the news that you're putting out to say it's unverified it's speculative uh, in the middle of an investigation you know it's a police handout it's a government handout at least rate the quality of the information that you're putting out so that people i think long term that will generate so much goodwill raj it'll generate so much goodwill for the media because even those in power will take you seriously those who are watching and consuming and shaping their lives based on what you're putting out will take you seriously because they'll know that okay there may be some pressures for you to put it out but you're putting it out with a with a warning of what is the status of that news you know not like gospel truth so but breaking news i mean it's become a joke now because you know somebody having breakfast is also break, breaking news now yeah no again i mean i'm you know television news gets the brick bats from everyone i know i'm very critical of television news but the medium is so difficult i can understand the pressure of um, you know uh sort of fraternity is in but there also i would say that there's something that people need to think about the problem with tv news in my view is that you know the whole point of journalism is you you go you look into something you uncover you speak to people you process something and then you put out something that you have processed and understood yourself the i think the structural problem with television news is that the process of discovery the process of investigation of any story regardless of whether it's a simple story or a deep one your very process of moving from 0 to 100 as a journalist your information gathering is itself a national spectacle you know i mean that is just so intrinsically harmful you've just got let's take a murder story you know you've just got the first suspect by the police and it's like breaking news first suspect first suspect you've not ascertained the police may change its story but you've already done it to people you know I, the arushitalwar's parents come to mind they were absolutely ruined by the media ruined by the media you know now those are two lives which finally the legal system found that you know there was no evidence they had lost a daughter but this whole frenzied process of bit by bit bit by bit the jigsaw 
it's just put out there no verification not even like i said a rating of that news you're doing it incessantly to people you know and that's the problem you start inter- you do an interview you do a tv interview and you ask people you know you that did you do this did you do that have you done this have you done that you know before people can explain themselves everything is it's like i said your process of discovery as a journalist is a national spectacle you know i think that's yeah you spoke about the arushi murder yeah you spoke about the arushi murder case and uh, i know i remember that you were at the forefront of trying to put a counter narrative and finally the family got some kind of justice uh, yeah. uh so and you've done many other stories like this i mean you've been at the forefront of it uh, like i said you've been an investigative journalist and a crusader for justice and social equity uh, if you go back and look at all the major stories that you've been part of uh, which was your toughest one or which were, which one is something that you'll always cherish uh, there's so many which other journalists in telka did uh, raj even more than my own personal work i think as a as the managing editor there i was supremely proud of many of our uh, journalists you know who individually did fantastic work i think ashish khetan i would name as like the top rated investigative journalist in the country he did some really really difficult work um, in gujarat and that has stood the scrutiny of many courts it stood the scrutiny of hostile courts hostile governments uh, but his work has proved to be sterling so that is one i think another one where we had a lot of impact was uh, you know there were false encounters in manipur where uh, every year there used to be thousands of encounter killings you know hundreds of encounter killings which ended up becoming thousands over many years and it was a real issue there and one time we got by chance actually a series of photographs of a particular false encounter one in a lifetime kind of story and surprisingly many media houses turned that story down because others also got the photographs but we did it and we did the background work on it and that triggered genuine systemic uh, overhauling you know a court was set up a, a commission was set up and that whole process of just random killings uh, came came down like almost by 95% i would say you know so that was great i think apart from all the investigations i did personally i did a story on soni sodi on binayak sen several others but i think overall if i look back on the telka legacy was that we did stay very committed to public interest journalism so we were doing stories on water and farmers and tribals at a time when it wasn't very you know it it wasn't the white hot focus of the rest of the country but one was trying to cast light in areas where there wasn't so much journalistic focus like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store coming back to televisions because uh, we spoke about journalists getting polarized we spoke about the pressures on them from probably management and uh, we we blamed what about the viewers i mean do you feel that somewhere the viewers also have to be blamed for just taking anything that comes to Yeah I mean you know I think you were asking me what I feel I you know I'm sorry if this sounds sort of I don't know like triggish you know but I feel so sad when people um critique what they're watching on TV but they continue to watch it and say maza hai you know it's entertainment and some of the most toxic uh, sort of you know discourse on TV is getting popular because viewers watch it as a pastime you know as a kind of gladiator sport and of course that's sad but i wouldn't you know so of course as viewers you have a responsibility for not popularizing something that's harmful but ultimately raj i think it's for us as practitioners you know there are pressures but like i was saying somewhere some solidarity has to come together in the profession where if everyone comes together and says there are things we will not do but you know i mean like any like cinema how has cinema changed because there was some cinema directors that had the courage to say we won't make the kind of you know fairly like the 80s cinema which had really gone over the rails you know or 80s 90s there was a kind of really mindless stupid hindi cinema there were young directors that broke away from that and they've created a whole range of things that can be done now so there also one could have said 
that oh there are financial pressures the audience likes this today the audience will not take bullshit a lot of times you know from from indian cinema because they are responding to better fare we have to put out better fare consistently and on scale for people to respond you know uh, it's the same people i'll remind ourselves that when arvind kejriwal first came with some language of idealism into politics look at the kind of you know uh, upsurge of of good faith and good will that there was for him. yeah there was so much of so i keep feeling that there's real desire for idealism someone has to have the courage to provide it at population scale you know uh, i think that's a failure of leadership you can't just blame the viewership uh, and so one of the things you did mention about uh, idealism uh, and uh, arind kejriwal uh, do you think that this current pandemic at this moment okay uh, suddenly you know the whole country is going through hell and people are feeling the pain and people are obviously if you go and just watch social media and suddenly there is anger building up in people you think somewhere media also has a res- uh, responsibility of not having over the last one year uh, projected what what was really happening or even even now as we speak not projecting the truth uh yeah i mean if you if we take the truth to be what people are you know suffering i don't have any sense today raj if we go by media narratives just instinctively knowing the way our society is structured i would imagine there's a lot of pain on ground uh, because people have lost jobs we saw the migrant exodus last year you know of course there's been some amount of uh, provision by the government and by many private uh, you know enterprises individuals who have tried to mitigate pain but you know there are artisans craftsmen small businesses workers daily wage workers yes maybe you're not starving because the government is providing but what is your sense of self respect you know just the next level of human living which is to be able to provide for a spectrum of things your family might need beyond the roti and the namak and the chawal and 1 kilo of dal you know we we have no sense of that so sometimes i wonder like because as i said i i no longer have the privilege of being able to send reporters on the ground or go myself um, you know that sitting in delhi very often i think am i in a dreamscape am i trying to imagine pain where there's none because there there isn't like it's not like you're having hunger riots or something on the street you know but is there not pain i i don't see it reflected in the media but i would definitely imagine that there is a lot because even at our strata of life it's difficult and one is finding it tough to meet all one's needs forget luxuries uh i cannot begin to imagine the disenfranchisement that's happened on the ground you know um uh, so yeah i i do think i also think raj it's very unpopular to say this but i think somewhere you know the the focus on covid has been to a level where one is not i think even governments have found it very difficult to take considered decisions you know because it's been so much of just it's there's been a lot of white noise around it as well so it's difficult for governments to take considered decisions and uh, and then of course i mean beyond the point i think on this issue raj we all also need to be humble because whether you're in power as government or there's so much of x factor and so much of the unknown that it's fairly hard to have settled considered decisions whether you're scientists or doctors no one really knows how to handle this or in what proportion to handle it or what risks to take uh, you know on the lockdown i do believe and I, and i think one can say that that it was awfully planned you know you don't lock down a country without at least a minimal level of planning for it you know uh, so i think last year's lockdown was extremely unilateral and very very uh, you know disruptive for people in a harmful way but was it needed i'm sure it was needed could it have been planned better i think it could have been has the media asked those questions sufficiently i don't think so yeah uh media has not asked that questions and you and i know that and you know the the i'm i'm having fun actually speaking to you because as a journalist you say what you want i would think twice before asking these questions to uh 
any of my other guests. So right now, you know, <laughs> on one hand, we've been a, sorry because Pardon? you said that there's a price. There is a price, you know, and it's not just like as a journalist that I occupy some um, space of immunity, you know, or impunity. Either of, of that, course. I was saying yeah. earlier. I don't, as a journalist, feel that I have impunity to say whatever I want. It should be evidence-backed, you know. But similarly, I don't also have immunity. Uh, but I do believe all of us need to live like this is not. It's not even adversarial journalism, you know. I mean, for me to say that, like I said, it's actually stuff which I would imagine, uh, you know, good people, very, very professional people sitting in Niti Aayog or in government. uh would be happy to have see i think it's very important raj about the tonality you know you also ask questions in a way which is you intend good to come out of it you know it's not just of course to, of course because you want you want being, yeah. yeah and it's very difficult to occupy you know as leading even a small organization you have led bigger ones it is so difficult to occupy seats of leadership you know and to get things done so i actually have a lot of sympathy for politicians it is the most difficult task on earth you know but i'm sure if you ask questions oh i hope that if you ask questions with good intention not just to pin people down and make them feel like a cockroach on your operating table they should be able to receive it better you know and i don't think it's just for journalists i think too many people are abdicating the idea that we are all citizens as corporates you're citizens you know as politicians you're citizens as journalists we're citizens i mean the more all of us abdicate from our desire for you know like good for all it's going to only come back in boomerang at some point it is going to bite even uh, people from business so whoever wants to play it the safest you know yeah we are all citizens first and i i i remember years ago i was on a flight and uh, I I don't want to name the politician uh, it was a lady and was a uh, minister for tourism those days and I used to like you know I was and this was late 90s probably or you know and I was like uh, you know don't these people travel abroad and see how the infrastructure is and they come back why can't they do the same in India I mean that's what I used to think I lived in a very idealistic world those uh but today my question is politicians themselves I mean I'm I'm, I'm not saying A or B politician I'm saying themselves one is what the narrative that's coming out and on the other end don't they have access to wealth of information i mean they know every little thing that moves on the ground right that's how they win elections don't don't they see and somewhere doesn't it bother them that what's happening can come to bite them back because end of the day elections are also won based on what people are feeling or is it that it doesn't matter well you know where, where this government is concerned i actually think they are politically very very astute uh nor are they a government that does not have ears on ground because they are a very cadre based party they also have all the you know whole spectrum of rss uh, organizations and they are plugged into every level of society i would say you know so one may disagree or feel critical of many aspects uh, of their ideology or of their vision but in terms of endeavor feet on ground ear on ground connection with people i would not fault them on that you know so uh, i think they keep their ears very closely on ground so uh, you know one can only believe that they know what they're doing and they feel that they have delivered and i think they have or they have intended to deliver on certain welfare measures i think one of the things i'm uh i would say as critical as i am of certain aspects of this government some things which they have foregrounded i don't know on delivery again the country is difficult again we need better journalism to see how good the delivery is but i would say at least in intention for instance right now uh the modi administration has taken up the issue of water for all uh in a very serious way now again how that will be designed is water linking river linking you know i'm not going into those details but at least as a mandate that a government has set for itself health insurance things like that housing you know these are good things we do need a at least basic uh, egalitarianism and basic living that all citizens should you know have before 
your aptitude and merit and all of that kick in we are nowhere close to that equality for all you know in terms of opportunity so these are things that the government has taken up do they feel that by doing that they have got enough goodwill on ground to win elections maybe that's their assessment that you know high high communal rhetoric at one level and uh, governance delivery welfare delivery at another level uh, you know and a certain perception that uh, and maybe the truthfully that you know the the prime minister himself is not personally corrupt these things may be a winning combination for them you know but i'm saying for the rest of us each of us in our own professions um, have a certain idea of what society should be and at least we should live close to our own visions how do you decipher this i mean on one hand you tell the country that you should wear masks and you should take protection you should not go out of your house and that's it's important and on the other hand you have election rallies and kumbh melas and stuff like that what kind of that's messaging or signaling are you doing to it <laughs> that's my point raj like there isn't even anything to say on that because it's so insanely hypocritical to do that but i think that's also where uh politicians and you know i think they just understand that on the ground the people who are attending the rallies or attending uh, the kumbh mela or the you know even in uh, recently in holi where there was the you know the big gathering for holi in vrindavan that on ground people are not actually really observing social distancing they don't really i mean it's a calculation that the people who go for that are not going to be angry with government for not insisting they wear a mask and the government is playing it both ways you know so i had this interesting discussion once um, you know about constitutional democracy with farid zakaria that the values actually that do keep a democracy safe which is liberty rule of law freedom of expression you know non authoritarianism all these qualities of a constitutional democracy are not necessarily the same as what runs a electoral democracy and that's the great dilemma always you know that uh, if you win a big election and then you have the mandate and you can change society as you want because you've been given a mandate but there's a flip side which is that we all have agreed to a constitutional democracy as well but there are very few people typically it's lawyers so civil society today what's called the elite who uh, try and keep faith with that in the past it was very interesting i always found as a journalist that people on the ground were more interested in democracy the poorer you were the more it mattered to you to have a democracy because who came to power really impacted your life for many elites you know sitting in the cities it doesn't matter because you're more or less secluded by your wealth from most things you know so i used to always find that people on the ground really cared about democracy so today i i i feel the certain humility that if this is where people are feeling happy you can't be more worried for the people than they are themselves so one has to wait a little bit for society to express itself but at the same time the rest of us uh, who feel that certain constitutional values are being let down it's for us to keep speaking about that you know i think we've discussed about politics and journalism let's uh, uh, move to another topic uh, because it can we can keep discussing this uh, so shoma tell me more about yourself where are you from where i'm from i'm from the tea gardens raj which was a beautiful but very borrowed life because uh, you know the it's just lush countryside it was the duas it's called the duas which is the tea plantations of west bengal uh, which basically meant that you went to boarding school when you were very very young i was 7 years old when we went to boarding and that's what most tea children did uh, but it was a idyllic childhood very beautiful very close to nature boarding school was fun it was innocent uh, so yeah i had a extremely like i said privileged but borrowed childhood because that was not the true indicator of your wealth <laughs> but you had a really good life yeah because tea gardens the quality of life was very uh, uh what do you say i mean i i had friends from the tea gardens they used to tell me they had tennis courts and stuff uh, depends i guess 
yeah but i think more than like the i more than the tennis court for Quality me quality of life yeah i think for me the really precious like it's really seeped into the core of who i am is that proximity to nature so you know one really understands the value of a life lived close to nature you know i think that shaped a lot of uh, who one has become as an adult also is to protect that and understand the value of that and you know yeah so that was i think the most precious so your part fa- of my life father used to work for a your father used to work for tigadit your father used to work for a for a company tea company yeah actually, he worked with goodrich before that with a property he wasn't a tea planter himself both my parents were doctors and uh, my father in fact was a trained neurosurgeon from britain but he came back uh, to india because he loved india and i'm particularly proud of his work because he operated in some of the most difficult circumstances and he was very very loved very respected uh, he truly was you know like that old image of what a doctor is like a healer he uh, people loved him you know because and he i was very proud of him because he he ended up becoming a general practitioner but he's done some of the most amazing operations in the most primitive conditions uh, he, there was a person who was gored by a wild elephant and the tusk went through him you know so he literally had like a whole he's reconstructed he's done plastic surgery he's done deliveries he's done orthopedics he's he he wow. really was you know he used to do it under inverted table lamp sometimes uh, gen, you know anesthesia the wow. old way which is like putting a cloth on people's faces uh, so fantastic and he did it later he retired he was in bihar worked in even more primitive situations but he could have had the really wealthy you know city doctor life become a hyper specialist but he opted for that life and i i feel very proud of you know he passed away many years ago but he really left a legacy of uh, respect you know which i could palpably sense as his child now i can i can see how proud you are you when I mean, you're speaking it's it's showing are you the only daughter no we are three siblings but you got siblings brother uh, and two sisters i'm the youngest oh you're the youngest and what are your other siblings doing what do they do my my brother worked with coke for most of his life he retired from coke uh, my sister was a wildlife filmmaker she was a documentary filmmaker she used to work with mike pande and rita banerji and the three of them won uh, several green oscars for films that they made on wild elephant capture on the whale shark then she opted out for a while because she was uh, bringing up her children but she's now in the social sector so she's a development professional and a filmmaker nobody chose to become a doctor <laughs> no my sister is a proxy doctor like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store what made you get into journalism yeah to a certain extent it was uh, by accident it wasn't by design um i sort of you know i i had this restless feeling in college that i wanted to make a difference i didn't know you know one came from such blankness I, all other children coming from tea i think we'll understand that we really came from the boondocks you know one had no framework no sort of sense of the world so when i came to delhi i literally knew nobody over here so i didn't really i just knew that i wanted to make a difference uh, i was looking for purpose and uh, i was one of those nerdy kids that did really well in college so i topped delhi university twice but while all my friends were going abroad i was already seeking a sense of i don't know meaning in life nothing more um, sort of concrete than that and a college professor at that time put me in touch with um, tarun who was uh, tejpal who was uh, you know he had his own company already he was doing um, sort of books and ideas and writers and things like that so i first taught in mirambika uh, the aurobindo ashram experimental school then i taught in sri ram school and then i ended up working with tarun so i kind of meandered my way into journalism then i left his company and i joined pioneer then outlook india today and then started the helka together so it was really i kept looking i kept looking for something that would make me feel purposeful and i think my years of teaching and then later when we started the helka for a few really good years one had a 
strong sense of purpose you know if nothing else so you worked with the pioneer and outlook with vinod vinod mehta yes vinod was there uh, pioneer he had already left chandan was there um, and then okay. outlook vinod was there so what do you do for for de-stressing for de-stressing uh mostly run away to nature again so we're constantly going off hunting forests and rivers uh i'm a real nature person so that is one way of de-stressing for sure the moment i'm in nature nothing else matters also my entire family is absolutely passionate about cinema so my reading has gone down uh, our family pastime is to watch movies i think you know there's nothing left that we haven't seen uh, so one is constantly hunting for tips on what next to watch so yeah mostly that a lot of family time a lot of you know because i've been a working mother all my life um, i do like socialize very little and spend a lot of time with my children i have two boys now they're both quite grown up my elder one's going to college soon so they have less need for company but otherwise a lot of one's free time was spent uh, with the kids you know doing things that the kids wanted so so yeah what are their names valmik and kabir valmik and kabir wow beautiful names <laughs> lovely names literally yeah. like i started in the beginning by saying that you you had a very illustrious career very colorful career you've been through ups and downs and uh, so tell me what are some things that you learned that you would not repeat if you had to revisit your whole journey what are the things you would not revisit i mean you would not uh, you would not do, uh, again. do again yeah that's right this may sound uh, yeah this may sound odd raj but the one thing that has kept me i think steady and happy speaking to the house of cheer uh, throughout my life is that mostly i have been able to live uh, by my own conscience you know and i haven't cut corners on what matters to me personally my own value system whether that coincides with others or not but what i will say is that through all the ups and downs that one has been through i have slept an easy night you know that i haven't like betrayed my own value system at any point and uh, so to that extent i'd say it's not that i would not like there's no big regret in my life I think there are times when I have operated what I thought was from a level of I would put noble words to it which is transparency integrity uh xyz and I think on hindsight it was acting from a position of naivete you know and so to a certain extent I think I've actually struggled raj that I am somebody who trusts easily and i think through some of my most tumultuous time there's a temptation to become cynical and not trust and i have very consciously uh tried to retain trust in people and you know change your position only after someone lets you down rather than anticipate uh that you know as being a defense position from the beginning but i have operated naively several times and quite often in my life I think today if I were to look back I would um, still operate from my heart uh, but I would operate with a better reading of landscape you know so yeah less naivete and I would put less glorious words on it you know I mean, it might seem transparent and uh, full of integrity to me but in the world it's it's just pure naive behavior nothing wrong in trusting people i come from a philosophy that the only way you can get trust is to just to give trust you you have to trust and there may be a thing where people may let you down but then it's always their loss not yours you know that's the way i look at it i've always looked at it my uh, we're running out of time but before i end the session I, this is one question i ask everybody all my guests so what does happiness mean to you ah what does happiness mean to me <sighs> this may sound like a end of life uh understanding <laughs> but i mean of course i have a lot of things that make me happy but if i if i really get to the heart of it like i already said to you the one thing that has kept me happy through a lot of losses through a lot of loss of professional you know i have lost a lot i would say in these few years yeah. but what has kept me happy through it all is like i told you that I feel I can look people in the eye you know I am 
I'm very clean in my own conscience, at least, you know, and I can look my children in the eye, I can look others in the eye, I can look my uh, antagonists and my adversaries in the eye. And I think if one can arrive there, you know, that sense of peace is there. So a lot of your external world could be in chaos. Uh, but if your internal world is at peace, then I think for me, that's happiness, you know. And I think the only time I have been very deeply, deeply, deeply unhappy in my life is when, uh, you know, one has felt betrayed by close people, you know. So external circumstances, loss of prominence, career, wealth, all that is shit happens to everyone, you know. But it's when you lose trust or you lose uh, a sense of innocence about things. Uh, that That is painful. And then, so for me, the biggest question I've had to face is, uh, how do you forgive without uh, create without allowing something to perpetuate? You know, you you call out wrongdoing, but you also forgive. Uh, whether you forgive yourself, you forgive others. You know, that's that was a big dilemma. How do you do that? And I think to walk lightly is the best you know recipe for happiness. And I think I I, I manage that. I do walk lightly. I don't carry much baggage with me. You know, so yeah. Thank you very much. And for all our viewers, Shoma has a show on YouTube called uh, Enquiry with Shoma Chaudhary. Please go and subscribe and watch it. Uh, more importantly, Shoma, you have a big heart. And, uh, you know, this is the lady with her moral compass intact. Thank you so much for being with me on Friday's Live. Thank you very much, Raj. Thank you. It was a real pleasure being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this Sochcast. What is your Soch? Send us your comments on our Facebook page and Instagram page. It's time for you to do your own Sochcast. At Sochcast, apni Soch, dunia ko sunao. Sochcast.